This is Relatively Prime. Classification in the mathematical domain. I am Samuel Hansen. No preamble today. Let's get straight to our guest. My name is Fabian Müller. Uh, I used to be a mathematician. I studied at Humboldt University Berlin. Uh, to be honest, I think geometry. Fabian is still a mathematician. Once a mathematician, always mathematician is what I say. Plus, if I call myself a mathematician, then anyone who has achieved a PhD in mathematics like Fabian definitely deserves the title. What is true, though, is that once he had achieved that PhD, Fabian left academia and ended up working as the head of development for ZB Math. For those of you who are wondering what exactly ZB Math is and why I say it like it's something you already know, I'm sorry. ZB Math is a database of mathematical publications, which includes reviews of the papers, author profiles, and citation data, amongst many other useful bits. If you are familiar with, say, Mathematical Reviews, MathSciNet, which, fair warning, I will use interchangeably throughout the episode, ZB Math is the German equivalent of those. In fact, this equivalence plays a very large part in our topic today, Mathematics Subject Classification, or MSC. It's a classification scheme that is used to... Um put mathematical papers, publications into uh, different fields so you can uh, have a little bit of an idea of what it's about before you actually start reading it. MSC has been around in some form since the 1940s and was officially codified by ZB Math and Mathematical Reviews in 1991, with updates to the scheme happening every 10 years. The primary use of MSC is to classify the publications in the ZBMath and MathSciNet databases. But it's also used by some other organizations, such as libraries, which sometimes use them for their mathematical collections. It's a hierarchical scheme, so it has uh, kind of three levels. So a typical MSC code would consist of um, two digits, a letter, and uh, another two digits. Those first two digits represent the primary area of mathematical research. There are 63 such areas in the MSC, such as 05, combinatorics, 35, partial differential equations, and 97, mathematics education. Then the letter and the last two digits help describe what specific sub-area the work is being classified in. So once again, if we look at combinatorics, we would start with 05. And then, say we wanted to see graph theory, which is a sub-area of combinatorics, we would be looking at 05C. And then if we want to look at graph colorings, which is a sub-area of graph theory, which is a sub-area of combinatorics, we would be looking at 05C15. There are some outliers in the MSC, that don't follow this exact pattern too. There's also a couple of special marks which don't have letter in the middle, but just a dash or hyphen. And um, these are kind of orthogonal in the way that they say, this is a textbook or this is a conference proceeding and uh, things like that. So kind of more about the outer form or format of the articles being classified. I don't know about you, but I have always liked hierarchical orderings. 
they've always seemed very natural to me. There's these buckets, and we just have to figure out which buckets things need to go into. So to me, it makes sense to try to do this with mathematics. But that doesn't mean that it's clearly the right way to do things. For example, let's talk about the searching side of things. For a long time, the only way to create a really useful search was to classify everything and to use that to facet your way to a good result. As computers became more powerful and search algorithms became smarter, keyword searching suddenly became much more useful and prevalent. Now, both ZBMath and MathSynet do allow for keyword searching in their databases. But since neither are full-text databases, these searches rely on the basic data about an article, like its title and the review, and some extra metadata, like author-supplied keywords, to do this keyword searching. And that seems like it really should be good enough, right? An author really should know exactly what their paper is about, and will of course provide exactly the right keywords that we would all need to find it using keyword searches. Right? Right? They are uh, uncontrolled terms. Which means that these keywords are not being picked from a clearly defined list of terms so as to make sure all papers are using the exact same language for the exact same concepts. For example, say that you and I had to create keywords for two different papers about the four-color theorem, and that I decided that the keyword should be coloring graphs, and you decide that the keyword should be graph colorings. Depending on how the keyword search was constructed, it's entirely possible that it would not recognize that these two keywords were talking about papers with the same underlying concept. In contrast to this, uh, that hierarchical fixed scheme does actually provide a good way to um, have, a, have a fixed uh, set of uh, classification fields. So that means when you go to, I don't know, the classification on toric geometry, uh, toric varieties or something, then you can be reasonably sure that you will get all those papers which uh, should belong to that subject. One clear drawback for a hierarchical scheme of mathematical classifications, where every paper needs to be put into exactly one bucket, is that that's just not how mathematics works. Papers can be about more than one area at a time, or they can straddle the line between two closely related areas. ZBMath and MathSynet have found ways around this by allowing more than one classification per paper. But it turns out, MSC has some internal flexibility, which also helps with this issue. So it has actually um, links between the subjects. So it's not, I mean, it's hierarchically uh, built uh, from the foundations, but it has uh, all these C also, and for other things, uh, see this other topic. So it's, it's not as if there are no um, links in between the different fields. But just because there's links between the classifications, it doesn't mean that assigning an MSC value to a paper is easy. Just ask the section editors at ZBMath and MathSynet. They are subject area experts on the papers they are classifying. And yet in the end, while it's rare, it's not unheard of for the same paper in the two databases to have different MSC values. And while I'm sure that having all of these classifications exactly the same would put some minds at ease. I have to say 
the perspective Fabian has on the topic is probably a lot healthier. It's not always completely clear uh, what what classifications a given paper should belong to. And, and we kind of view that as a strength because it tells us very much about the human factor in all this. Plus, it gives people something interesting to study, such as a research project ZB Math did with the Heidelberg Institute on automatic MSc classifications, which started by looking at how and where ZB Math and Math SciNet differed. It was this study that allowed me to say, it was this study that allowed me to say that differences were rare earlier. There is one last thing which can cause a problem for a hierarchical system like MSC, and I'm sure that all of you have been thinking it since I started talking about this subject. New mathematics. I mean, how can one possibly classify mathematical research, which is in an area that doesn't even exist according to the classification scheme. In the end, it's a hopeless undertaking to put the whole of mathematical knowledge uh, into a hierarchical scheme. This, this will never work 100%. Okay, I'm taking Fabian a little bit out of context there. I'll admit that. But it's true that no scheme will ever cover all of mathematics, as long as mathematics is growing and changing. Which is why the MSC grows and changes too. In fact, MSC is in the process of growing and changing right now. The project, jointly ran by ZBMath and MathSciNet, is called MSC 2020, just as the previous revisions have been called MSC 2000 and MSC 2010. And they are currently, like right now at this exact moment, publicly collecting suggestions for changes to the MSC through their website, msc2020.org for cases where, as Fabian says, either because we did a bad job 10 years ago or just because there have been new areas of research which should now go into this new scheme. And if you're wondering why you haven't heard of this, it wasn't through lack of trying. Yeah, we kind of uh, try to make this as public as pos possible going through our various channels of AMS newsletters, EMS newsletters, DMV, the German Mathematics uh, Mathematicians Association, to uh, yeah, get, get the word out that people uh, can and should comment here uh, on places where they feel that the current classification is inadequate. They have received a lot of comments and suggestions already many of which raise valid points. In the very beginning, there's some classific classification codes about history of mathematics, and that starts with Egyptian mathematics and Babylonian mathematics and so on, and then goes up until uh, Renaissance and 17th century up to 20th century. And it was kind of not clear because it, it used uh, country names and, and culture names at first and then transitioned to uh, time period specifications. Uh, that, that was kind of meant to be a... Um, yeah, timeline, so to say, and all the country-specific mathematics was supposed to be in antiquity, right? Uh, so that means for us kind of that we have to make the names of those clearer. But don't let this make you think that mathematicians are not guilty of some of the same crimes that everyone else is when it comes to public internet commenting. There's a couple of things there where we know that people want to push uh, their own interests, uh, let me say diplomatically, and uh, which will 
probably not survive in the final version. The public comments will continue to be open until the end of the International Congress of Mathematics in Rio de Janeiro this August. And then, then comes the real work, especially for the section editor pairs from ZB Math and Math Sinet, who will end up with the task of sorting through many of the comments. So as soon as the comment forum is closed, what we will do is we will gather the comments together, uh, split them up by responsibility, essentially um, send these packages of work out to those people together with asking them to um, look over those and um, yeah, decide between them uh, which of these changes should get incorporated and if so, which, uh, which codes they should get if, if there should be any new ones. But not all of the work of the revision happens at the subject level. There's also some large scope work that needs to be done. And also in the end, decide whether there should be any uh, fundamental structural changes, like whether we need to have new um, of these these hyphen classifications that I mentioned, you know, these this kind of orthogonal classification uh, in terms of type of publication or not. And that will probably be decided on, on that uh, committee level. And yeah, in the end, we will have to uh, gather the, the output from all these pairs of section editors and um, yeah, put it into one big hole and then make that available to the public again. As with any change like this, the 2020 revision of MSC will only be as good as the information with which they have to work, which is why Fabian really wants everyone to take part. After all, the MSC classification, even if people don't use it for themselves, it's used for them. And in particular, Fabian makes a great argument as to why researchers have a strong vested interest in taking part in the MSC 2020 revision. Certainly for the findability of your paper as soon as people look to, to MathSignet or to ZVMath. So if you want your research to be found by, by people that, that might be interested in it, that might uh, build upon it, that might cite it, it's actually in your best interest to, to make sure that uh, there, there's, there's as many ways as possible to arrive at your papers. So, and that, of course, happens best if there is a classification that is appropriate for your particular research. So you should actually uh, look through the MSC 2010, see whether there's enough granularity there, uh, whether there's a field which adequately describes your field of research, and if not, propose to add it, or if you feel it's there but not exactly perfect, then make a suggestion for changing it, and you will actually um, do yourself a favor in the sense that, that many more people can find the results of your research. While I could easily talk about mathematical taxonomies and revising classification schemes for hours and hours, I'm actually going to leave it there with Fabian's great argument as to why researchers should take part. But I would be remiss if I didn't allow Fabian to share some of the other really cool work they're currently doing at ZB Math. A lot of our work uh, at ZB Math uh, right now concerns, uh, you know, interlinking different sets of resources, you know, like linking citations to, to the papers that are cited, uh, linking authors to their publications, linking authors or publications to, to other resources on the World Wide Web, linking, for example, um, recently we have started to link math overflow questions to the math papers and stuff like that. So that whole idea of, of 
having a web of knowledge, so it's kind of a linked open data thing. It's not, a, not a, an unknown thing. And you can try out a lot of those things right now at zbmath.org, which, while full access does require an institutional subscription, does still provide free access to the top three results of any search, including the really cool formula search, as well as the entirety of its author database. So please make sure to go check out ZBMath if you're not already an everyday user. And while you're at it, check out MathSignet too. Check both of them out, compare them, contrast them, have fun with your mathematical databases this week. Please, I implore you. And also, I want to implore you to add your comments to this revision of the MSC over at msc2020.org. I've been spending a large amount of time recently with the mathematics subject classification. And while it's already a great taxonomy that I'm really happy to have spent so much time with, I think that we all owe it to ourselves to do what we can to make it even better. And that is all the time that we have for this episode of Relatively Prime. I want to thank my guest, Fabian Miller, for agreeing to talk to me from a very, very different time zone and helping to make sure that the call actually functioned. The struggle is real, folks. We really do put in a lot of work to make sure that these shows come to you. Which is why, next I'm going to bring up that Relatively Prime is brought to you by its amazing patrons on Patreon. If you also want to help creating stories from the mathematical domain, please head on over to patreon.com slash relprime or go to relprime.com and click support. If you do, I just might be able to keep paying my rent, which really would be awesome. The music in this episode that was in the very beginning and that I'm talking over right now is from Jazzar who you can find over at the Free Music Archive or through the show notes for this episode on relprime.com. If you have any feedback for me or you just want to say hi, really, I haven't heard from any listeners in just a little bit here, and I'm starting to think that maybe no one listens to this show. So if you've made it this far into the credits, please just open up the mail application on whatever mobile device you have handy and type out whatever message you can to me while these credits are still going on and send it to samuel at acmescience.com. That's really my personal email address. And I promise that I will get back to you because I really do love hearing from listeners of this show. Also, if you have any feedback, want to suggest a guest or a story, please let me know. I always love to hear your ideas. And if you want to help out the show and you can't afford to give through Patreon, first of all, totally get that. And second, What you can do is you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that really does help bump the show up the rankings and get it in front of more eyes. Finally, Relatively Prime is licensed with the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. So please feel free to remix my voice to say whatever you please, as long as you say that those words originally came from Relatively Prime. And just to finish off here, I would like to wish all of you 
A zero zero A zero one week. I'm pretty sure that's mathrific, and if not, I'm about to go leave a comment over on msc2020.org to make sure that it is. Bye, y'all.